Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express Impression Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today I'm joined by Paul Third, Andy Skinner, and Sophie Goodwin. How are we, folks? Good, thanks. Very well, thanks. Good, thank you. Sophie, you'll be a dab hand at this now with your broadcasting experience earlier in the week on Radio Scotland. <laughs> Talking about the, the comment piece you wrote for the Press and Journal. Um, so, if listeners recognise your voice, that's that's why. Obviously, you've been on before of the regular listeners, but yeah, you'll be tell, telling us all about um, Aberdeen women against Glasgow City last night at Glebe Park. Big game for Aberdeen women in SWPL one. Before that, we'll be talking about the Dons. Um, a decent week continued for them on Saturday against Hearts. We'll also be talking about Ross County's week of disruption, Inverness, and their continued, I suppose we could call it a slump, as well as Peterhead, Cove, Elgin, as normal, Elgin, eek. Anyway, Aberdeen, Saturday. Um, they got Motherwell this weekend, a team that, if we go by the form book, should be there for the taking. Motherwell haven't had a great few weeks in the Dons. Well, the Dons in the last, well, between... Hibs, Rangers and Hearts, seven points from those games, they're they're on the up by the looks of things, uh, a great performance in the end against Hearts at the weekend to win 2-1, still feeling very positive about the Dons trajectory at the moment. I am, but when you're saying, oh, Motherwell should be there for the taking, it sounds easy, <laughs> but it's never it's never that straightforward. Um, for me, Saturday's a bigger test, actually, than the previous three games against Hibs, Rangers and Hearts. I don't expect Motherwell to be expansive at Petaudry, um, given they're coming up here with, what, one point from a possible 15 in October. Uh, but the key is whether the likes of Marley Watkins, Ryan Hedges and Christian Ramirez can unlock this Motherwell defence. I think they can, but I also see this being a bit of a grind, if I'm being honest. Put it this way, if, the, if even if the Dons do win this game, I'm not expecting a repeat of the... Rangers 6-1 win that we saw at Fair Park on Sunday. Yeah, I suppose in games like this against Motherwell, well, Motherwell on current form, because as you said, they will probably hope to hit Aberdeen on the break, uh, it becomes increasingly um, obvious that you need the likes of Ryan Hedges, Marley Watkins, those creative players that can stretch defences, create chances. And that's obviously been a thing at times Aberdeen last season at the start of this season with Hedges and Watkins out for so long have struggled with you need those those players that can play in the little spaces and, and make things happen at the weekend obviously they went a goal down uh, Joe Lewis I, I wouldn't blame him too much for the penalty the Dons gave away there was some suspect defending to be fair with the amount of defenders that are out at the moment we can maybe understand that but there was there was a lot of space left wasn't there for that for that little moment there was um it's funny because it was wide open for a three-man defence as it was in the first half. You're thinking, well, why is there such a big gap between the central defenders in the middle of the of the box, I suppose it was. But as for Joe Lewis, he makes himself big and trying to force a player to go around him. And it is a penalty. The, the defending isn't great. There's, there's no way you can dress it up as anything other than being pretty poor. But we do have to cut them a bit of slack, as you've said, Ryan, considering they're down to the bare bones in that particular department but the one good thing for me was the reaction to going behind that shows the confidence is is building at the club again and here's the boring start for you that was the first time since the first away league game at Livingston back on the 8th of August 
that the Dons have come back from conceding the first goal to win a game in the Premiership. And even that Livingston game, obviously the way they came back to draw that one was um, gifted to them somewhat. So yes, moving in the right direction in that regard as well. Ryan Hedges and Marley Watkins, we've discussed them already. They obviously linked up for the first Dons goal. Hedges had set up Christian Ramirez at Ibrox in the middle of the week, but the, the cross to Watkins... I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as laid on a plate as it had been for Ramirez at Ibrox. I think Watkins still had quite a lot of work to do. But what what a finish! It's 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 a strange one, is it, Watkins? Because he's not your sort of out and out goal scorer for a forward. He's not like a man that's going to you know poach in the six yard box like like Ramirez is, I suppose. You know, uh, a born finisher. But he, he certainly found one there, didn't you? Oh, oh, it was top drawer. But that's the funny thing. I'm speaking to Duncan Sheeran, as I do regularly for his column for the Press and Journal, and he made the point that. Marley doesn't score tappings in ordinary goals. It always seems to be a hugely important goal or a terrific strike. And what we know is that a fit and informed Marley Watkins is a smashing player, especially in Scottish football. I still maintain Aberdeen's campaign nosedived last season after his injury in the Cup semi-final defeat to Celtic at Hamden. The creativity, the confidence, it all slowly drained away when he was out the side. And it's only really now... He's getting back up to speed following his return to Pataudry. And, I mean, I've, I've seen him and Ramirez, and they're not quite on the same wavelength yet, but it's coming. And I think once it clicks, we're going to get some fireworks from those two. I think what helps with Watkins as well is um, some of the, I say criticism, but one, one of the, the weaknesses a little bit in Ramirez's game is pace and like running ability, but Watkins has that in spades, doesn't he? Oh, he does. And what Ramirez has is that clever movement. He, he He's a good player as well. Let, let's be fair to him. I know we're probably going over old ground here and he seems to feel he's taking a bit of stick. I haven't seen that personally, but I, I think you get the service to Christian Ramirez, he will score the goals. And Marley Watkins is certainly going to be adept at providing that service the big American strikers looking for. Takes a village. The set-piece opener, obviously that was the star of the show on Saturday to make it 2-1. Lewis Ferguson scored it, but um, if anyone had been questioning Alan Russell's role as coming in as like an attacking expert, a set-piece expert from his time in America, his time with the England national team, we saw it um, in full effect, didn't we, against Hearts with Scott Brown's little push on Ryan Hedges uh, to, to block off the man that was chasing Ferguson. Oh, it was terrific. It's not the first time we've, we've seen it. Uh, seen it. We saw it, sorry, at St Mirren earlier in the season in, in the game they lost 3-2. I think there was a great block from Brown that day as well. Um, but as for Alan Russell, he's, he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? He's um, not really one for press interviews and he clearly prefers working away in the background. But there's no doubt his set-piece routines are his speciality and they're speaking volumes for what he's contributing at the club. Uh, Stephen Glass has said as much. His colleagues up all hours viewing and devising routines to work on in training. It was an area that Aberdeen really struggled with last season, but that's what, five of the last nine goals have come from such opportunities. I think Mr Russell's got every right to be pleased with his contribution. Um, in, in terms of the table at the moment, Obviously, the Dons are sitting sixth now, um, a lot better off than they were a few games ago. Um, they're closing in, and Hibs above them are in the same points. I think there's only one goal separating them in goal difference. Hibs have got zero of goal difference, Aberdeen on minus one. But then you look at Dundee United above, they're kind of four, four goals better off than the Dons. Um, Hearts, kind of much further on, I think they've got eight, a goal difference of eight. You're almost thinking now, or I mean, it's a bit of a technicality, but what, what I think is... 
that we're still hoping to see a bit more clean sheets and getting that goal difference into the positive figures um, because the teams above them have, have been doing that a little bit more. They have, but it'll come. It will come. I think. I mean, we can talk about the goals conceded, but right now it's it's hard to levy that against what is a makeshift setup. Um, but what, what I'm looking at for the weeks ahead, I mean, I like Dean Campbell in there at left wing back. We've chatted about it. Uh, off air earlier this week, Brian, and I think he looks good in a left wing back uh, playing wide with a back three behind him. Uh, Scott Brown's been very good as the third man in that back three as well. Uh, I expect Calvin Ramsey will return on the right side when available, but right now, after the couple of games he's had, I think Jack McKenzie's got a fight in his hands, displacing Dean from this team once he's fit again. His distribution's good, he's calm under pressure. It's been a bit of a surprise development, but I'm sure it's a welcome one for the, the coaching staff at Cormac Park. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if you were the Don's boss and it was a Scottish Cup final later in the season, touch wood, would you, if you had to pick a left-back on the on the left of a three-man back line, would you pick Jack McKenzie or Dean Campbell based on what you've seen so far this season? I've only seen Dean for a couple, but I, I do like him in there, I have to say, I do like him. Yeah, He can pick a, he can pick a pass out, that's the big advantage he has. Mackenzie's probably more athletic, it's up and down the park more, but Dean Campbell's very good under pressure. I think I think that could be a, a long-term position for him. We were also discussing yesterday, off-air, in the office, uh, the Don's starting to think about January, and obviously they'll be wanting to improve the squad, every manager does, in a transfer window, but to do that you often need to let players leave are there any are there any players at the moment we're thinking potentially let, let's not focus on the, the players that are doing well like Calvin Ramsey and Lewis Ferguson the ones that teams could come in and try and you know pry from the Dons but the likes of Conor McLennan Jack Gurr players that aren't seeing a lot of game time at the moment I know Conor McLennan's maybe carrying a little bit of an injury but do you see a few of them being maybe allowed to leave Oh, Ryan, first week of November, you're throwing this one at me. Um, a few factors. I don't think we can dis- discount the other guys who would be, shall we say, transfer targets potentially for other clubs. A few factors are going to de- determine what happens at Petaudry in January. One is is whether anyone is sold. That's obvious. The manager will also be waiting to hear if he's going to have a reduced budget or has to bring it down. Or, I suppose, the flip side of that coin, whether he's going to be given more money to strengthen. Yes, of Hedges, we know he's, he's coming to the end of his contract and there is the dreaded keeping my options open line that's been mentioned from him. Um, that doesn't bode well for me, I have to be honest. Then you've got Ferguson and Ramsey, of course. But the flip side of this is looking at the short-term guys that you've mentioned, Jack Gurr and then the loan signings, Matty Longstaff and Teddy Jenks. They could perhaps benefit from more game time elsewhere. It'll depend what how their parent clubs see it. As for Gurr, You've had all these guys not available and he's still struggling to get in the team. Um, I don't know what that says for his longer-term prospects. I have to be honest there. And then you've got Matty Kennedy, Connor McLennan and Niall McGinn. That's your, your backup options, along with J. Emmanuel Thomas, I guess, in the in the final third. But we, we could get to February and they're all still here. But I'd be surprised if that comes to pass. Um, what I would say, though, I don't see any new arrivals without some departures. Obviously, they'll need to clear a space in the Cormac Park and Pottery dressing rooms for Ronald Hernandez when he returns next month <laughs> from the MLS. Sophie, you were at Brecon last night. The the game obviously wasn't played at Cove's Balmoral Stadium. The Dons women against Glasgow City in SWPL1. We know Glasgow City are the champions and they're professional. We know 
Aberdeen women are part time. Um, well, I say part time. They're, you know, they're not even paid. I don't believe. Um, but how how did the game pan out in the end? I think the first half was exactly how I and probably everyone else expected. Glasgow City were so good. They were so dominant. They controlled the game really from the beginning. Um, I think Aberdeen maybe had one time that uh, Lee Alexander touched the ball in the first half, and I'm sure that came from a corner. Um, but Glasgow City, like you say, they're a professional team. They've dominated Scottish football for you know the last 15 years. But they forced Aberdeen to play into their own half, and I think that was why they conceded you know, the five goals in the 45 minutes. They were playing so deep. Aberdeen were having to play so deep that they were trying to pass it back. They were trying to pass it across the defence. They were trying to pass it back to Gail Gilmore. And the pace that Glasgow City have to close the ball down, it just it proved costly that Aberdeen just couldn't get the ball out the box or out their own half, and, and Glasgow City latched onto those mistakes, and that's why they got the five goals in the 45 minutes. Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that Don's women have lost five on the spin now, but again, Glasgow City playing Hibs twice, once in the, the SWPL Cup, Rangers where they lost heavily, 8-0, and then maybe only that 3-2 loss to Hearts that they'd be, you know, they'd have cause to be disappointed about maybe. Yeah, I think, you know, it's five games without a win and four games without a goal. I think, you know, the last four fixtures, like you say, have been against Rangers, Hibs twice and now Glasgow City, so I think it's unfair to judge Aberdeen on the results. I think you have to judge them on the performance. And I think last night's second half performance was proof of what they are capable of. You know, they went, I wouldn't say they went toe-to-toe with Glasgow City, but, you know, they did so much better. They they prevented them from scoring. You know, and players that came off the bench in the second half, Claire Shine, Prasia Chinjia, she, both of them are class players for Glasgow City. So I think, you know, there is signs that Aberdeen are progressing even if you know the score lines don't suggest that. But I think for, for Gavin and Emma and the dugout, the, the results won't be concerning. I think maybe the performance attacking will be. Understand that it's tough against tough tough opposition, but to not score a goal is probably quite concerning for them. And now I think they need to look forward in terms of the games against Motherwell this weekend because those teams in and about them are starting to pick up points. Motherwell Partick, Hamilton, Hearts have all picked up points when Aberdeen haven't. So I think the longer this unbeaten run continues, it's concerning for Gavin and Emma. But I think just now they'll be they'll be looking to to go back to winning ways against Motherwell on Sunday. Yeah, and they'll be reasonably happy, I imagine, with their their position in the table at the moment. Although they'll they'll say that they don't look at the table this early in the season, but only Park Thistle above them that you really think they'd maybe have aspirations to get above themselves and also thank you for bringing up the wonderfully named Priscilla Chinchilla <laughs> anyway let's move on shall we Ross County up next Andy you can tell us about the lack of action for the Staggies expertly summed up by Andy Skinner there no, no. <laughs> is there not normally a, a break here or do you want me to just go straight in oh yeah I'm going to leave all this in you realise now but my, my pen my apologies because my pen stopped working I was writing down the time that we'd taken the break for editing later on and my pen ah. as I pressed down on the pad very boring the, the end of the pen broke off so I was kind of having to write in a very sort of strange slow fashion to get um slower slower than usual to get it um you know to get it working and get that noted down anyway yes andy ross county um a frustrating week for them a very late call off on saturday 
when it emerged that Hibs had a COVID outbreak and it, um, pretty, as it turned out, a pretty rampant COVID outbreak for the high bees. They were already in Dingwall. I think they'd stayed overnight Friday and Saturday, like all the big teams probably do. But that disappointment was compounded by the fact the game was rearranged for a Wednesday um, and then again postponed because Hibs couldn't field a team um, unless it was packed to the rafters with young players, I understand it. So obviously County have had, you know, the training has been constructed to build up to Saturday. It's then been sort of changed to build up to Wednesday and neither of those games have gone ahead. Now they're, they're looking ahead to a challenging clash against Rangers at Ibrox this weekend. Um, coming off the back as well of their first league win against Dundee in midweek, uh, last week it would have been at this point. It's pretty, I imagine it's pretty disappointing that that momentum might be a little bit sort of dampened now. And just, yeah, just just the disruption generally. How, how are County reacting to it? Yeah, I mean, you have to factor in just due to the, the sheer lateness of the call-off that, you know, in terms of preparation, everything was as normal as it could have been last week. Uh, I mean, Malky Mackay was on his way to the ground when he first found out that uh, Hibs were going to have to pull out of the the original Saturday fixture. Um, at which point he then had to to inform the players who, you know, until they were, uh, you know, probably finished their breakfasts, were still expecting to to, to play against Hibs. Uh, full of confidence, as you say, you know, from that Dundee victory on on Wednesday, um, you know, obviously County was maybe a, uh, you know, quite an emotionally raw time at that stage, just given how inconvenient it it, w- it was, you know, for the the game to fall so late, and you, you know, I suppose there was the the issue of you know hospitality catering, um, you know, reimbursing fans that had travelled. Because you know, not just Hibs fans that were were coming up, county by the the nature of where their fan base is formed, uh, you know, do have quite a lot of supporters that will travel, um, you know, through large swathes of the the Highlands to get to home games. So, yeah, no, they were they were obviously not happy at that stage, and you know, as the days went on, it became clear that you know Hibs COVID outbreak was a a very severe one, and you know, clearly county were desperate to play the game when it was rearranged come Wednesday, but I think, um, you, you know, it, it did become clear as, as the days went on that, that, you know, there was going to be a, a problem with that time slot as well. And by the time County did press on Tuesday, I think, you know, they'd caught wind of the fact that there was a, a strong likelihood the game was going to fall by the wayside again. So I think, you know, after, b- between the two postponements, County will have been trying to keep it as normal a, a, a you know, a week of preparation as possible, clearly hoping the Hibs game went ahead, but, you know, having, you know, a fallback plan of, uh, you know, conditioning for that that Sunday trip to Ibrox um, in the the now realised event that it uh, it didn't go ahead. In terms of their reaction to that, that Wednesday postponement, obviously Saturday is maybe understandable in that, yes, it's really late, but, and you can talk about like how late they were informed or whatever, but you, you don't know when Hibs knew really for sure what was going on. And again, it's kind of like it makes sense to take stock of the situation um, a little bit in that moment, just you, because you never know. Like you don't want to play the game and then find out that every single member of the, the Hibs first team and the subs were all positive as well. But the Wednesday one, when it would have been a, a young team, it feels like 
yeah, Hibs have got this problem. We don't want to encourage the spread of the virus. There's probably youth team games going on and stuff that means that the players, the young players at Hibs, could have been potentially playing a couple of times in a few days. But do you feel like Hibs maybe should have been made to play the game? I'm being devil's advocate here because I know we're going to have this issue as the season goes on. Yeah, it's quite different from how it was last season because I think the SPFL are now um, in the event of an outbreak like this looking for the earliest opportunity to play the game and they were probably coming under a bit of pressure from County to facilitate that. County, you know, were clearly looking for compensation and, um, you know, they were generally looking for an inquiry as to, to everything that had gone on. So, you know, with their desperation to play the fixture, I think you know the SPFL were looking for the earliest opportunity to to go ahead with it but uh, I mean from the Hibs side of things it you know sounds as if they've on top of the Covid issues got you know a, a relatively big injury list Um I think quite a lot of their under 18s team are out on loan at uh, you know SPFL lower league clubs so I think they you know their chief executive has come out and, and laid their position bare in, in the press yesterday, which um, I think, you know, from reading what he's had to say does, you know, show that there is a, a genuine, uh, you know, issue there, which I think taking the, the safety aspect and the, you know, the health and well-being uh, aspect of, 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 you know, the postponement into consideration, you know, probably does make you realised that the, the the right decision was ultimately made. The the game against Rangers this weekend, obviously a big win for Rangers last weekend. Are we giving giving County much hope in this one? Obviously, it would be great if they could go two wins in a row, but um, do we see any likelihood of that being the case? To be fair, just to go back to the Dundee game, which you mentioned um, a, a wee bit earlier on, I, I think you know this Rangers game now being the next one, um, just underlines how important it was for County to to get that victory, and you know the fact it was so emphatic was just a an added bonus. Because when you look at what the next few weeks hold for the Staggies, uh, there's an international break next week, uh, which means that they're you know not playing, and and then the following week it's uh, Premier Sports Cup semi-finals, which um, you know means that they're out of action. Uh, again, because the, the team that they were scheduled to face is um, lining up at Hamden. So, you know, very little football to be played as it transpires in November for Malky Mackay's side. Um, and, you know, for them to go down to Ibrox um, as as their only game until the 27th uh, of, of November, you know, it does look a, a daunting prospect. But I suppose they'll, they'll be going down with an element of pressure off um, and particularly so given that Dundee result, they are going to be probably on the, the back foot for large spells and will look to try and counter, which although they've had a lot of the ball in some of the, the recent games and you know we've gone over that in terms of how much possession they've had to, to no end result, um, but you know they have had a lot of the ball and they've shown themselves capable of, you know, getting into good positions, albeit not converting on a number of those occasions. But I think they're actually set up to be quite a strong counter-attacking side as well, just with the the pace and athleticism that they, they get from the likes of Harry Clark and Regan Charles Cook. Um, be interesting to see if 
uh, Joseph Hungbo um, plays as well as Charles Cook because I know that you know Clark's energy down the right hand side has kind of freed him up to be more of a danger man against some of the you know the teams in and around the Staggies just now. But whether there's more of a pragmatic approach that maybe involves Blair Spittle coming back into the side, um, you know, it remains to be seen. Inverness, they. Their goal-scoring struggles continued at Firhill. It was a nil-nil draw. They missed a penalty in that, although the penalty, to be fair, looked a reasonably okay strike. It was a good save, if anything, in my opinion. They've got had two draws and a one-nil loss in their run against Wraith, Arbroath and Park. Are we are we calling this a slump, or given they're still second in the table, is it just a is it just a blip, slumper, slumper blip? I would, I, would, I, would, I would tend to favour blip. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a disaster, but it reinforces the need to show a strong reaction. I think just based on the fact that they've, you know, in the space of less than a week, gone from having a five-point lead to, um, you know, going behind and trailing Kilmarnock. They certainly needed to come up with a, a good performance down at uh, down at Firhill because you know I wasn't at the Arbroath game, but it, it sounded as if they were. Uh, poor that night uh, Billy Dodds was happy with the way that they went about the, the task down at Firhill actually described it as one of their best performances of the season which um, you know was high praise indeed given some of the results that they've managed to to churn out this season but it um, it certainly you know it reinforces the need to, to go down to air and, and try and you know end that that three game wait for a, a victory Um because you know they don't want to be, you know, dragging out of, of form at this uh, this crucial stage of the the season when everything up until this point has has looked so rosy for them. It's obviously um, a team in air that they've already defeated this season, one nil. They they aren't in a great run themselves. It'll be a game that Inverness look at and think we've we've got this one. Yeah. I would think so. Somerset Park can be tricky. It's um, it's the sort of place I remember. John Robertson always used to say that uh, uh, the the home fans who change ends actually uh, it's quite a, a unique sight in Scottish football these days. They change ends at half time, and he always used the analogy that the the fans will try and suck the ball into the into the net as uh, as the game goes on. But Inverness have actually got a, a good record against Air. Um, I think they they lost the game last season, but. Other than that, it's been, uh, you know, a pretty happy hunting ground, all things considered. I think Inverness have to draw a bit of, you know, encouragement and motivation from the fact that, you know, albeit the last three games haven't produced victories, but they are all teams that uh, that Inverness had previously beaten, um, and Inverness have also defeated Kilmarnock, who currently lead the way. So, no matter who they're coming up against in the championship, they've they've already shown that they're capable of uh, producing the winning formula. So I don't I don't think you know they should go down to air with with any reason not to to you know go about and and look for the three points. Okay. Well, that'll that'll do it for the the teams in the first two divisions and we will now move on to League 1 and League 2. Okay. So let's start with Elgin for a change. I say League 2, it was actually a Scottish Cup game, of course. Algon were playing, they're replaying the second round against Clyde Bank of the West of Scotland Premier League. Um, Gavin Price described the 2-1 defeat in the replay at Borough Briggs as his worst day in football. 
Um, are you inclined to agree, Andy, that it was a, a devastating blow for Elgin, who, let's be honest, were already having a bit of a stinker this season? Yeah, yeah, there's no other way of putting it, really. Um, I mean, it, it it just seems as if, come half-time in the, the initial tie down at Clydebank, uh, you know, the tide turned uh, from a position where Elgin were, you know, dominant and a goal ahead in the tie. Um looking to build on that in the second half and yet something changed and Elgin just couldn't halt the slide, even you know running into a, a replay, which was a week later. Uh, Clyde Bank took the lead early on in the game and you know subsequently doubled their lead. It just sounded as if Elgin didn't get going and, and Clyde Bank were fully deserving of the, the victory. It, it certainly points to confidence being completely sapped when you know Elgin concede and you know, it's a difficult one to to try and claw back a deficit when that's the case. But um, now, given their league position, given the form that they've been on, it's uh, it's threatening to become a a, a bit of a, a crisis at uh, Borough Briggs, and you know they they need to uh, hold themselves out of that very quickly. Well, that's what I was going to say. In previous pods, I mean, it's all been about how they just need to string a few results together to get themselves back in playoff contention. But yeah, we. With a strong for far outfit on the cards this uh, weekend, are we are we starting to think more like, oh no, something has to change really to uh, you know escape thinking that way that you know that that could be a possibility. Um, I mean, Forfar are a team that have done well in recent weeks. They find themselves up, you know, pushing towards the, the top of the the table. Um, the game the following week at home to Cowdenbeath is massive, and you know you look at the Blue Brazil having a new management team in place with Morris Ross and Scott Patterson coming in. They look like they're, you know, up for the for the fight of trying to haul themselves off that bottom spot, only three points behind Elgin. Um, you know, it's unforgiving that League Two and it's uh you know, there's not much of a a comfort blanket in, in the mid table zone. You're you, you seem to either be, you know, down in the midst of the the relegation spot, or you're you're up competing for the for the playoffs. So it's uh, really a, a tide that Elgin have to turn really quickly. I think, I mean, they, they will be boosted this weekend by the return of some of the lone players that that couldn't feature in the the Scottish Cup uh, ties. And I think Kane Hester, by all accounts, is nearing a return. Um, they're obviously keen to take their time with with him coming back. He's a huge asset to them. And they could really do with him just now, but you know he, he obviously came back into the side sooner than he should have last time around, and um, has ended up missing a well a period where his absence has been hugely felt. So, um, you know, I suppose Elgin have to try and draw upon some of the comforts of having some of these players back, but um, no, it's it's certainly a, an urgent situation, and the. Uh, you know they, they need to try and react to uh, this low point as as well as they as they can. Cove they drew three three with Queens Park at the weekend and a top of the table clash. Just another um, another result that underlines how tight League One is going to be all season long. Cove are leading three two at the Balmoral Stadium in that one. They play Montrose who are in third place, one place behind them with Queen's Park, above them obviously at the top. They play Montrose away this weekend. Big result 
um, potentially if they can beat them um, with Queen's Park at East Fife. The kind of that looks like it'll probably go Queen's Park's way. So you'd like to see Cove get a victory, wouldn't you, Paul? To um, make sure they're staying um, neck and neck with their rivals. I think so. Uh, I mean, Cove will still be hurting from last week. Actually, I mean, you go from two one down to three two up, and then you concede an equaliser. That is. A sore one. Um, it's starting to look, to me anyway, that it's Paul Hartley's side against Queen's Park for the for the title. Um, but Montrose, to be fair to them too, they've had a lot of plaudits. And you speak to managers in League One and they'll all tell you that Montrose are one of the more attractive football playing teams in the division, if I can say it that way. It's a tough one for Cove this weekend. I think if they're able to take three points... From the Gable Endies, it would be a massive result, especially given the how we expect the other match involving Queen's Park to go, as you've said. Yeah. Um elsewhere in the northeast. My question for you is will Peterhead ever lose another game? Again, a sign of how quickly things can change that we we keep getting on the pod, but Peterhead a few weeks ago we were like, you know, there were things just weren't going their way every week. Um but then the drew at home to Montrose team we just discussed. Um, at the weekend, I think that was three games unbeaten. They've got Airdrieonians away next, but given what they've done in recent weeks against those those teams that are the kind of the, the giants of the league, I suppose Falkirk were another team they got a result against. Um, do you think they'll make it four unbeaten? Ooh, I think so. I think so. How's that? But to answer your original question, will Peterhead lose again? Yes. And I don't think I'm being dramatic in saying that. Pessimist. <laughs> the, the they're chugging along, is how I would describe the blue team. But I'm sure um, Jim McAnally would want to see his side taking three points again after back-to-back draws. But hey, that's that's Peterhead for you. They seem to go on streaks of five or six good results, maybe lose one or two tight ones, and then have to start all over again trying to build up momentum. They're not alone in that. I think it's more a reflection on just how competitive League One is. Airdrie are fourth, so any positive result on the road would be a good day's work for Peterhead this weekend, I think. I mean, they could nearly be, you know, top half if they get a couple more results, which is obviously brilliant for them, and we might start thinking about things in hushed tones like playoff contention, depending on how things go around them, the likes of Falkirk obviously not having the, the greatest campaign, that's one of the teams above them. Um... At the weekend, it, sh- it should be noted that Brett Long again in the goal for Peterhead was crucial. He has been um, phenomenal in recent weeks, um, denied both Terry Marson and Chris Antoniazzi, a guy we know well from his time in the Dons Youth Academy and spell with Cove. I think Russell McLean had the ball in the net for Peterhead late on as well, but it was chalked off for offside. But yes, anyway, we, we look ahead to this weekend and we hope all our teams can win because it makes it easier to record the podcast of course and be very optimistic and happy so we'll see how we get on with that next week anyway thank you very much to andy paul and sophia for joining me today cheers guys you're welcome thank you thank you of course as always if you'd like um the latest highland league news views analysis highlights whatever whatever you really want from the highland league you can watch highland league weekly our weekly magazine show on the press and journal website um, if you've enjoyed this pod today uh, you can like and subscribe in your favourite podcast app you can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and finally enjoy the football whichever games you're watching this week hope you loved the episode 
And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.